And good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, if I sound really hyper and energetic, it is a false front. I've been here since the morning show and I am exhausted. But there is too much to talk about and not enough time really to get into it all. So let's just jump right in. Do y'all remember... After the 2022 midterm election, I told you one of the greatest scourges of the GOP is the consultant class. Now, there are good consultants out there. Do not get me wrong. But overall, the GOP consultant class does more harm than good to the Republican Party And it's primarily because, like good little capitalists, they are very focused on the profit rather than, at times, best representing their clients. Responsible political consulting is going to make sure that your client is getting the biggest bang for their buck. You're going to make sure that your client is well represented, that the the proper image is getting portrayed to the media. But all too often, consultants work on uh, commission. And so the more money they can spend, the more they make in commission. And that is a huge part of the modern, especially GOP consultant class work ethos. And it's a system that needs a lot of reformation. Now, you know, there are good consultants out there. There are good journalists out there. There are even good lawyers out there. But the bulk of the The bulk of the ones working in those fields at times, it seems there's not an honest one of the bunch because they are represented so poorly by the worst actors. And in this case, the worst actors are the political consultants who see dollar signs rather than political victories. Clay Sheck Snyder has announced that he's running for secretary of state. First of all, big red flag for Clay Sheck Snyder, who did whatever he could to become the Speaker of the House and used support from the Democratic side to get there. And now he is, after after kind of shopping around which job he wanted to run for, he wanted to be lieutenant governor, but Billy Nungesser decided to opt out of the governor's race. So he was in there, you know, had Jeff Landry backed out of running for governor. Uh, Shaq Snyder probably would have tried to run for governor there as well. For whatever reason, Clay Shaq Snyder decided he really wanted to keep being in state government despite the fact that he's term limited. Now, I'm sure Clay is not eyeing the great retirement package that comes with working in the executive branch of state government, you know. Uh, But I can't say he's not interested. For whatever, I'm I'm assuming he just wants to be a nice little worker bee and continue to work in government as long as possible. But he is so desperate to be in government. He's shopped around all these different jobs, all these different races he's wanted to be in. And now he has decided he's going to run for secretary of state. And the guy consulting him is the same guy that's consulting two political action committees for Stephen Wagsback. This is the guy behind Johnson Fans. This is the guy behind a lot of people running in this election cycle. The consultant class in Louisiana is bad, and now they are running. You heard Scott McKay talk about it this morning on Moon Show. The fact of the matter is that a consultant is running behind multiple, frankly, bad candidates in Louisiana races. 
There is no reason that Clay Schechtsnyder should have an inkling that he can win a Secretary of State's race. He's not very popular in the Republican Party. He's not known in the Democratic Party. He's only known as people who constantly, by people who constantly complain about the House of Representatives. So on the Republican side, it's the guy who sides with Democrats, who isn't very conservative. On the Democrat side, it's another filthy Republican who's in leadership in the legislature. What path does Clay Schechtsnyder think that he has to the governor's mansion? Uh, to, I'm sorry, not to the governor's mansion, to the Secretary of State's office. Kyle Ardwin announces yesterday he's not running. The very next day, Clay Schechtsnyder decides he's in. And the announcement came via consulting agency. That tells you all you need to know. If you were behind multiple statewide candidates, I mean, let's talk about Wagaspak. Wagaspak's announced that he's raised $3 million, but again, Devil's in the details. Only 900,000 of that is actually in his personal campaign account. The other 2.2 are in those packs that are being consulted by that same guy, that same consultant. Stefanski, not that great a candidate either. You have multiple candidates, not great, running for statewide offices. And the same person, the same group of people behind all of them. That should raise another red flag for you. We need politicians who are being guided by principle, by ideology. We don't need politicians that are being guided by consultants. Because what happens? I told you yesterday, you've got Republicans in the legislature who are fine raising Louisiana spending cap because they are so terrified of not being liked anymore. They're so worried about what Tyler Bridges is going to write about them in The Advocate. They are so worried about what people will think if they don't vote to raise the spending cap, if they don't negotiate on this. The media's never given any of these people any reason to think they're ever going to be on their side. But these are people who are not guided by ideology. They're guided by what they think makes them look the best. And it's a bunch of mealy-mouthed consultants in the background who want a quote-unquote viable candidate so they can make money off of them. If, if Clay Schechtsnyder had shown any inkling of principled ideology that wasn't of strategic benefit to him, I wouldn't be so concerned. But I am because you have him, you've got Stefanski, you've got Wagaspak, you've got these guys who are raising money and running these races despite the fact that Republicans don't really seem, the, the, the base level Republicans in the state don't really seem to be all that interested in them. And in fact, in the case of a few of those candidates, the base actually doesn't like them. I find it very difficult to believe that Clay Schechtsnyder really has a viable path. I don't. I don't understand how he could think that. Of the candidates, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a very sexy race. I mean, who really, you know, cares about Secretary of State, except we've had so much talk about elections and election integrity. What do you think is, I mean, what is Clay Schechtsnyder's platform there? What is he going to run on? Why does he want the job? 
Why does Mike Francis want the job? Why do any of these people want the Secretary of State job? Have any of them actually said? But no, Clay Sheck Snyder, what principle, what ideology he's going to bring to this job? Why does he deserve to be that when he has not shown that he is a principled conservative leader in the House? And I don't want anybody saying, well, he's good at working with the other side. I don't care. Because in working with the other side, what he has done is he's undermined his own side. And I'm not saying I'm not a fan of negotiation or working across the aisle. I'm saying that Clay Schecksnyder's default position is capitulation. I don't even know how you take whatever skill set he claims to have as House leader and turn that into a viable candidacy for Secretary of State. There's no reason that I can think of that it's worth getting into. Scott McKay at the Hayride had a piece today. You can go there, thehayride.com, and you can see what he wrote. Clay Sheck's not wholly unqualified to be Secretary of State. Now, apparently... Um, Sheck Snyder has some money in the bank. Maybe he can pay the money. But again, what, what's going to attract us to Clay Sheck Snyder? I, I genuinely don't know. If the, all the ads, all the information, everything you can run about Clay Sheck Snyder doesn't erase the fact that he has been a, a, a subpar leader in the House who has gotten nothing done. Sure, he held he he held the only veto session uh, in state history and, and overturned a, a, a gubernatorial veto. Negligible impact from that. He's an awful public speaker. He has come across in his dealings in the house as incredibly petty. And overall. He's just unqualified. And now you've got Clay Sheck Snyder, a guy who has at times been shady, at, time, at times has, has just been not a great representative of Louisiana politics in general, is now saying he wants to be the guy in charge of elections integrity. I don't get it. I don't understand why, other than somebody has convinced him because they see dollar signs next to Clay Sheck Snyder's name. And maybe some of the safe Republican moderate Baton Rouge set has given him some money, and maybe that's the, the money pool that somebody will make money off of him. Somebody will continue the grift of Louisiana politics behind Clay Sheck Snyder. But I don't see there being any benefit to Louisiana electing him, and I don't see any benefit to him running. Whoever's advising him is giving him bad advice. 232-1542. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, your calls, your messages on the KPL app. More on the way here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, I want to read you the headline. <laughs> I gotta stop laughing first. Document with security details on Biden's Belfast trip found on street. 
He's got top men working for him. Oh my, he's on a trip to Ireland, the home of his ancestors, the land of his fathers. And <laughs> the secu- Biden's visit to Belfast, Northern Ireland was found his security arrangements found on the street in what local police called a security breach, according to reports. USA Today reported local police lost the document containing the names of Belfast police and where they would be posted, but no information related to the Secret Service. Here's my theory. Could be wrong. You know, we we recently lost uh, Mississippi State coach Mike Leach. And one of the greatest stories of Mike Leach's coaching career is the, is the time he planted a fake uh, game script for I think it was OU to find, and for uh, it was a, a quarter or a half or whatever they they were running a defense against what they thought was Mike Leach's offense, and I mean they absolutely ran up the score on them until they finally figured out it was a fake game plan, went back to their original plan, and ended up beating the the school. But uh, I maybe the Secret Service, maybe uh, Belfast Police. Just pulled a Mike Leach on the Irish Republican Army. You know, uh, you still have separatists in North of Ireland, in, in Northern Ireland. You have some activities going on there, and the U.S. has been part of 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 negotiations trying to ease tensions between the separate uh, the separatists and and the and you know, all, it's it's complicated complicated stuff there. But uh, <laughs> this somebody in the Belfast police lost the security details for Joe Biden. And they were just found on the street. I mean, good Lord. And and to be more serious, I mean, we've got these major leaks, uh, these major Pentagon leaks. I mean, it's just people aren't taking care of things. They they don't know. The Pentagon doesn't know who or where these document leaks are coming from. All we know is that they are being... uh, Uploaded on gaming servers on an on, on a on a service called uh, Discord, and it's just being leaked there to a bunch of other gamers. So it's not like they're, you know, being widely seen. Although some of them do leak out of those Discord servers and they get published online, and the Pentagon's furiously trying to figure out where it's coming from. They've asked the DOJ to get involved. Uh, it's just it's it's crazy. It. it it's unclear how we've gotten to this point where American security personnel, the Pentagon, the DOJ, all all these leaks are coming from inside the federal government, from places there shouldn't be leaks from. And they can't figure out where it's coming from. So again, yes, just like the, uh, the Indiana Jones meme, top men. That's who they have working on these things. It is incredible. It is a lack of of discipline it's a lack of of commitment to effectively running the country and that's what we are stuck with right now and i hope that the pentagon finds this cuz this isn't even political it's the fact that there's so much involved in national security that ne- that we need to know what's going on where it is where it's coming from we need to make sure that some of that information isn't leaked out to the public to where our geopolitical enemies russia china iran some of these others don't get their hands on these sorts of things but it's 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 incredible, really is all I can say about the amount of leaks, the amount of just misplaced information, security details on the street, 
Pentagon losing track of classified documents, all this. Let's take a break. We'll be back in just a moment here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message to the KPL app chat. You guys are quiet on there today. But then again, I we did communicate a little bit this morning when I was filling in on uh, Katie morning news, which I love doing, although I am currently exhausted. Um, so moving right along, a couple of other issues that I want to talk about. So there is this story, which I just thought of right now, uh, rather than actually doing proper show prep and, uh, and, and, and I, no, and I can't find the headline now, of course. Anyway, I will try to do my best. Um, the federal government, the, the department of justice, uh, the DEA, they're all warning about something that we've we've actually seen warnings of here in Louisiana. And the drug fentanyl is now being combined with the drug Trank. Trank is an animal tranquilizer, and so people are combining a tranquilizer with fentanyl, and it's out on the streets. And it is, uh, I mean, fentanyl is already dangerous enough. You add a tranquilizer to it, you are really causing problems in the human body. And I just, I go back to what I've been saying for a while now, which is our country's not taking this issue seriously. The opioid epidemic, I think we've actually started slipping in that. Uh, we're starting to see more overdoses, not just from fentanyl, but in general. There's a news story that came out today. A, a woman has been arrested for a second time after letting an overdose patient die, and this time for murder. But you have people who are still addicted to and dying from opioid overdoses. You've got the, vent, the fentanyl crisis, which is still going on. Now you've got this warning about Trank being woven into the fentanyl. What is going on? You know, at the same time, you know, the murder rate in the U.S. is going down. The gun violence, the gun murder rate is going down in the United States, but mass shootings are up. We're seeing that play out right now. And the fact of the matter is, this isn't just, this all kind of ties together because it goes into what I've been saying Four months now, which is the kids are not okay. The grownups are not okay. We have a mental health crisis in this country. The man who went into a Tennessee bank that he was employed by, although he was about to be let go, opened fire on former colleagues. He was so distraught and so upset and so unstable about his coming employment situation and, and, and everything with that. He brought a gun into his workplace and started firing on former colleagues. You have this person who, uh, you have the person who shot up the, the Covenant School in Nashville. You have these mass shootings that we're seeing more and more of. And we quickly make the political talking points. This is what happens in a gun-free zone from the right. This, you know, this is why we need to ban guns from the left. We're not taking the fentanyl crisis seriously. We're not taking the mental health crisis in the country seriously. And 
I am I, I deeply, deeply worry because our kids, our biological kids, our students, neighbors, they're not okay. And the grown-ups in their lives are not okay. We've become severely isolated. And it is continuing to get worse in order to fill whatever void there is, which I'm, you know, I've told you guys my theory, there is a spiritual and moral void. And that is creating that's that's that void is what people are trying to fill with these other things. But we've we've been dehumanizing ourselves and the people around us for a long time. We've reduced ourselves to tweets and Facebook statuses and memes. We've reduced ourselves to derogatory jokes. We've reduced ourselves to diagnoses of mental health. We've done all of this in lieu of actually taking care of ourselves. And, you know, people say self-care. Self-care, as as it's... Self-care in theory is is fine, but as described by the people who tout it, self-care is selfishness. Self-care is spoiling yourself. It's not actually taking care of yourself. Oh, self-care, I've got a bottle of wine. No, that's not it. Self-care, treat yourself to a massage, whatever. No, that's, that's not what self-care is. Self-care is about doing what you need to do to take care of your mind, your body, and your soul. And we've refused to do that. We as a society have absolutely refused to take care of ourselves. And as a result, we are continually slipping and slipping and slipping. More mass murders, more mass shootings, more drug overdoses, more drug combinations to overdose from, more division, more hate. We're not healing. We're doing the opposite. And I just, I get so worried because the kids that are coming up are seeing all this and they're going to emulate that behavior. We're about to start a spiral of bad mental health in this country because we cannot, as adults, take care of ourselves. And so our kids don't see us taking care of ourselves. They don't take care of themselves. We're not healthy. We're not right. He ain't right. That's, we ain't right. We're not doing what we're supposed to do to really take care of ourselves. 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app. There's another story. Inflation. The inflation numbers came out today. Wow. From, from fentanyl and drug overdoses and gun violence to inflation. Boy, I'm really hitting the sexy topics today, aren't I? Um, inflation has cooled a bit year over year. In February, inflation was up 6% from last year. In March, uh, inflation was up 5% from last year. So it is in general cooling, but we've got some month-to-month numbers that are an issue. You see core prices rising, which is not a good sign. But that overall cooling means that what the Fed is doing seems to be working, but there's still a few factors there that need to be addressed. And so, yeah, year over year inflation's at the lowest point it's been at since 2021. 
on the flip side of that, core prices, a measure of underlying inflation that excludes food and energy because they're so volatile, increased 5.6% in March from a year earlier. So food and energy prices falling helped keep things cooling off. But overall, core inflation is actually rising. It stayed stubbornly high in part because of inflationary pressures from shelter costs. We have a housing crisis that's on the rise. And that is something that the uh, the Federal Reserve is looking. The Fed's not going to be moved. Oh, well, it's, it, I mean, all the headlines are, yay, inflation cooled from, Feb, you know, year-over-year inflation cooled from February to March. Technically true. But there's a lot of data in there that is not good. The Fed's not going to take its foot off the pedal. Now, it did decelerate a little bit and only raised interest rates by 25 basis points, a quarter of a percentage point uh, last time they met. But these inflation numbers aren't aren't that great, and the um, the Fed is going to continue to raise the interest rate. Now, the banking sector that all that drama that plays a huge role in it. Uh, they did slow it down because of that, but it really seems like the banking sector, the financial sector, has stabilized a bit. And there's a lot of um, there's a lot of financial experts who say, well, the Fed's going to, you know, Wall Street, we're on Wall Street. We think the Fed's going to slow it. I've said it before, but I, I, it bears repeating now because I, I, I watch. So I, in the mornings, I don't watch any of the morning shows with the exception of CNBC. And it's not just because David Faber makes so much fun of Jim Cramer. That is a good reason for it. But I like catching up on the financial news. I, I read the Wall Street Journal in the mornings and I watch CNBC. I like to get the financial news because that often gets so underreported and it's it's always spun through partisan lenses when you get it from elsewhere and you just need to know the numbers and what it actually means. So I watch CNBC and I, I read the Wall Street Journal and you have all these financial experts and all these people on Wall Street who speak out and say, well, I think the Fed is they're going to look at these numbers. They're going to look at this bank crisis. They're going to have to slow it down. The Fed doesn't care about what Wall Street wants or needs. The Fed has two jobs, manage employment and manage inflation. And right now, inflation is high and employment is actually affecting that a good bit. And so the Fed is going to keep raising the interest rates. And they're going to keep doing so until they can get inflation down to their goal of about 2 to 2.1%. And they don't care if, if Wall Street says, oh, there might be another banking crisis. They don't. That's, they're going to keep doing it until something breaks. All right, 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, let's jump to the phones real quick before our last break. Hi, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who's talking? Chris. Hey, Chris, how are you? Good, good, Joe. A uh, couple comments. Yeah. Well, you know, thank you for the Fed uh, and government giving away money. <laughs> you know, if you had a, a ho- if you had a home loan for two hundred fifty thousand dollars back a couple years ago, mm-hmm. the interest was about three hundred and forty dollars a month. Yeah. If you're fortunate enough to support the current administration, the same two hundred fifty thousand dollar home. The interest is $1,139.97 a month. 
just yeah. interest, yeah. not the note. Mm-hmm. So giving away money costs every employed person huh, $1,140 a month. Yeah. Interest only. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing free in life. Nope. Nobody that, seems that to learn that comment. Of course, I also heard you talking about inflation things, mm-hmm. and I heard earlier today that, you know, inflation may be stabilizing or it's a little less these last two months, mm-hmm. but that doesn't include groceries and fuel. Exactly. That's the point I was getting to with this when you add groceries and fuel in that. So, you know, it's like they're manipulating the numbers to come out to where, oh, we're doing better now. Much better. So actually, this this Standard last reading. So, Chris, this last reading, the, the numbers that came out today, it's actually the flip of that, which I think is is the worst news the Biden administration can hear. Uh, food and energy prices dipped in March, although now here at the beginning of April, energy prices are on the rise again. And you have. Yeah. And, and so if you if you strip those out, inflation got a little bit hotter in March, which is not a good sign, which is going to scare the Biden administration, although they're going to come out and say, yeah, well, inflation's at its lowest point since 2021. It's on its way down. What we're doing is working. He hadn't done anything. It's all the Fed that's been attacking with the interest rate. But they, they, you're right. They are picking and choosing and manipulating the numbers to try to come up with the best storyline. They don't care about the actual numbers. They don't care about you and me paying $1,100 uh, more dollars a month in interest, things like that. Yeah. It's just talking points. Yeah. They don't think the general public is smart enough to realize that, oh, man, my neighbor, he bought his house a couple of years ago, and he's paying $350 a month interest, and I just got mine, and I get to pay $1,150 a month interest. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much, government. I thank love you. it. All right, Chris, thank right. you. Thank you very much for the call. Let's go ahead and take this break here on the Joe Cunningham Show. Be back in just a moment right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Tim Scott has joined the race. Well, technically he's, he's, he's found in an exploratory committee. As my buddy Jeff Blair says at National Review, can't quite remember a time when somebody has formed an exploratory committee and hasn't pulled the trigger on an actual campaign. So basically Tim Scott is in for 2024. Been telling you for a while it's going to happen. He's been projecting this for a good long while now. It's not new. It's not surprising. I think what is surprising is that there was there was a number of people who thought that DeSantis either was going to or should freeze the GOP field by jumping in. And DeSantis hasn't jumped in yet. Others have jumped in. That was probably never going to happen. Tim Scott has been projecting for a while now that he is going to run. What is very important here, however, is that Tim Scott and, and and Nikki Haley, who's also running, they are both uh, prominent politicians from South Carolina. And South Carolina is uh, an essential early primary state. And it will be interesting to see the what Jeff at National Review describes is a four car pileup between them, DeSantis and Trump. Trump, I mean, has the most to gain. He is currently riding high in poll numbers, but he really, when the new year rolls around, he needs some victories in primary states because I think the the criminal investigation stuff, I really do think there's a ceiling there as far as support goes. 
And at some point, I think there will be some burnout by the more modern, independent-minded folks who may be like, yeah, he's being persecuted. We need to stick with Trump for right now. And I think when the drama continues to unfold, that will end up being a problem for Trump. So he really needs some good early primary victories to keep the momentum going. But that would put him at odds with two prominent South Carolina politicians, both of whom are well-liked in South Carolina. But we'll see. All right, before I get out of here today, just want to remind you, I said it yesterday, said it, I'll say it again today, seize the deal. There are some deals you need to take advantage of. I think we're in in the last days of it. Um, but you should be aware of these deals. Pizza Artista, $7.50 for a $15 voucher. Uh, ATF Bistro, $7 for a $14 voucher. This one is the one I like, which is uh, Epic Family Entertainment Center, one hour of all-access unlimited play for just $25 to get that hour. It'll be fantastic if you do that. Also, Chill House, $15 voucher to Chill House for just $7.50. All that at Seize the Deal. Go check that out. I'm taking the 23-hour break. I'll be back tomorrow here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. And of course, email Joe at redstate.com. The, the podcast version of the show will be up at Substack in a little while. Joe Cunningham Show.substack.com. Talk to you guys again soon. Shannon is offsides next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.